Hi, this is Migration Patterns, a podcast where we talk about where we come from, where we live, and how we got there. I'm your host, Meredith Bratland. For International Women's Day, I'm interviewing Erica Enzine, a local podcaster in Edmonton. Originally from Madison, Wisconsin, she moved to Edmonton for love. She's an enthusiastic creator of eight podcasts ranging in topics from Doctor Who, science fiction and fantasy, to hockey. She's won two Hugo Awards for her work. If you don't know what the Hugos are, the award is basically one of the biggest things going in science fiction and is described as one of the highest honors in the genre. Her first was in Best Fan Cast category in 2014 for her all-female Doctor Who podcast, Verity. Her second was for her work in a semi-pro sign in 2017. She also owns a podcast media production company, Castria, with her husband, Steven Stepanski. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Great. Thanks for coming. So I ask everybody this right at the beginning is, um, what do you think of when you think of home? Oh, (laughs) I hate that question because the stereotypical bits of Wisconsin have seeped so much into my soul that they're not, it's not even things that I feel like home. I think of like cheese curds and sausage and like a cheese head hat from the Green Bay Packers. And I've, I don't eat dairy. I can't, I've never owned a cheese head hat, but those are the things that spring instantly to mind when I think about like, where am I from? Because those are the things that people here can usually like, oh, that's like, that's what they recognize in their heads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first things that came up with my research. <laughs> yep. Totally. <laughs> Story checks out. Yeah. <laughs> and like snow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, I did the, the research and on the whole, I think Madison gets about four inches less snow in the space of a year than Edmonton does. But because the winter is shorter there, because the latitudes is lower, um, we just got dumped on more in a shorter amount of time. So I think I, the amount of snow here actually feels like less than what I'm used to. Oh, yeah. I would like more snow in Edmonton. I think really? that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of like brown. Yes, it's always nicer when there's a nice white covering on things. Yeah. That does feel like home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then you're from Madison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have kind of like this f- fangirl crush on Linda Berry, and she teaches at UW Madison. Does she? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So when I saw that, and I'm like, oh my God. Mm. But did you go to school there? I or? did. That's actually, I grew up uh, in a, a very small town of 1,299 people uh, outside of Milwaukee and then went to Madison, which is about an hour, hour and a half away from where I grew up for school and then just never left for like 20 years. Yeah. So so I still think of Madison as my home, even though my parents still live in the house that I grew up in. Oh, mm-hmm. that's nice. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I'm going to jump into your podcast, sure. Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how did you discover the world of science fiction and how did it slide into all things geeky, quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually raised on it, so I come by it honestly. My mom is a huge fangirl. So I grew up in this house where there was just science fiction paperbacks everywhere, like all over the place. And we would go to the library once a month, and my mom would check out like 30 books, and she would read them all. And we watched Star Trek and Doctor Who and just like you know anything remotely science fiction-y, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits amazing stories. So I was just into science fiction from actually technically when I was in the womb because Star Wars came out in 1977 and so did I. Um, But my mom went to see it while I was in utero. So technically I saw Star Wars before I was born or heard it, I guess. Nice. Mm -hmm. 
felt the vibration. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I think that influenced me like very strongly. You know, some people play Mozart for their for their little fetuses. <laughs> I got Star Wars and John Williams score. It served you very well and you can't go wrong with a John Williams score. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> um, and so I I listened to a lot of your podcasts in prep for this. And, oh, my uh, God. I know That's a lot of homework. <laughs> I did, like, a sampling. Good, good, <laughs> good. Don't knock yourself out. I don't, I don't even listen to all my podcasts anymore. I should list them right now just so people know. Okay. Um, so the eight podcasts that Erica it, produces? Well, it <laughs> uh, some I produce, some I'm on, some I'm on occasionally, some I'm on all the time. So there's there's a variety. A variety. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. So we can go it's, through it. We can see if you missed any because I honestly don't know if eight covers all of them. <laughs> okay. I've like double checked. So please let me know. Uh, so we have Verity, an all female Doctor Who podcast. Mm-hmm. There's Lazy Doctor Who, with a, that's your uh, podcast with your partner, Stephen Chapansky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beginner's Pack, a mm-hmm. hockey podcast for beginners. The Audio Guide to Babylon 5, mm-hmm. Convos about the saga. Yep. Um, there is totally, Total Party Kill. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons um, play together. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thing and then the incomparable is all about geeky media. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uncanny Magazine podcast, uh, magazine about or science fiction and fantasy, and mm-hmm. in the village where oh. Stephen and Erica watch Spy Fi 1967's The Prisoner, yeah. which I had never heard of. I'm impressed that you got uh, in the village there because that was like a short run thing that we just re-recorded all of the episodes in like the space of two months and then have been doling them out and the last one just came out. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, I didn't listen to that one as part of my sampling. <laughs> it would have made no sense. <laughs> but I'm very curious. <laughs> I highly recommend just watching the very first episode of that show. I know two people who just decided to try the first episode and ended up buying the entire series on iTunes because it was just so intriguing. Really? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. There's lo- there's lots of creativity to be found in previous works. Mm-hmm. Yep. If and there's only 17 now. episodes, so it's not like a long-term commitment. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. So would you describe yourself as an editor or a writer? Uh, probably an editor. A few years ago, that might have been different, but I have done very little writing recently and mostly have just been editing both words and and podcasty editing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really unique skill to have. I find that you don't find editors every day. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, the only thing that you find less often than editors are people who truly understand and, and appreciate editors, I find. Because it really, it really is such an important skill. And I think most people don't quite understand just how much goes into to making something better. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. No, it's good. <laughs> it's it's so true, and it really requires like practice, and it's very like detail orientated. Mm-hmm. I noticed that um, many of the podcasts that you like topics that you dive into mm-hmm. are in pretty male dominated t- <laughs> spheres. We'll call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that way, or am I totally off base? No, you you are you are correct, and I think I think it's one of those things where those spheres are dominated by men in podcasting and, you know, sometimes in, in like writing and actually the production of, of those things when it comes to like televised media and movies and stuff. But women have always been a part of the fandom and like a really important and vocal part of the fandom, but they sort of never got the platform. Um, and it, it's something we talk about a lot on Verity because we started the podcast specifically because there were like 
85 Doctor Who podcasts and only one of them was women and they didn't record very often and they were talking specifically about science and not about like the whole show regularly. So we were just like, okay, that needs to change. Uh, and now there are a bunch more, thank goodness. But uh, but yeah, it was, it, we just kind of wanted to take the conversations that we knew we were already having at conventions. Like I said, my mom was a fangirl. She would go to Doctor Who conventions when I was like a tiny little kid. So she, you know, women like her were always out there, but Quite often you sort of, I mean, if you've heard the uh, the phrase, oh, Lord, let me have the confidence of a, what is it? a <laughs> Like a 44-year-old. Like white male, male or something yeah. like that. Like a, a mediocre white male, I think, is, is what it comes down to. It's pretty harsh. <laughs> I know. It's totally harsh. But I, I think I think it is true that um, that men have historically been very apt to just be like, Oh, podcasting's a thing. That's interesting. I'm, I think I want to try that. I'm just going to do it. Whereas women get so much blowback when they just jump into something that there's an awful lot of forethought and planning and stuff that goes into it. And sometimes we just let ourselves, and I, I speak from experience here, I often would let myself just be sort of scared away from something or talked out of it simply because I wasn't an expert or I didn't feel like I was enough of an expert. And it wasn't until I started podcasting with a whole bunch of really smart people that I realized, oh, you know what? These people know about the same amount about a lot of these things as I do, but they, they're they making a podcast and having a great time, and people are listening to those podcasts and loving them, and so why shouldn't I be able to do that? So I've, I've just sort of dived in and, and really tried to, tried to not let imposter syndrome get in my way, and sometimes, sometimes I fail, sometimes I succeed. I noticed that with podcasting, it's connected you with a lot of people around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so what have you learned from such a collaborative work? It has been amazing. I think I've learned as much about myself as I have about like any anything else. I I remember when we first started doing Verity, which was the first podcast that I was like a full actual member of. And I in my mind my contribution to this podcast was knowing how to press buttons because I went to school for radio television and film so I knew like the technical side of things but I was really nervous about saying anything on a microphone that you know in a way that people would hear after the fact uh, and I didn't feel like I was any good at like television criticism I just thought I you know well I can show up and say what I like um, and I have when I go back and listen to some of those early episodes it's just like I cringe a little bit because I have learned so much about breaking down the media that I watch and figuring out why I like something or why I don't like something or just interesting things to think about I watch television in a completely different way than I did before and and it's and all for the better because I notice things that I wouldn't have that I wouldn't have noticed for. And talking to these different people with different perspectives from all across the world has really helped. Especially my uh, my compatriots on on Verity, who like are just the smartest women that I have ever met. So hearing like you know Tansy or Liz from Tasmania or Scotland talking about something from a really philosophical and academic perspective like it's just like it blows my mind on a regular basis so it's been it's been amazing yeah yeah hearing all those different perspectives mm -hmm. is so enriching yep yeah. and it and it also helps like it it makes it a really fun conversation 
podcast wise when when we're talking about stuff because somebody will say something that I never ever thought of and then that'll send us you know on a tangent and a direction that we never expected to go like there was an episode where we, we we had a year where we were talking about villains in Doctor Who and one episode we decided to focus on silent villains so villains that just like you know were, were very creepy but didn't say anything didn't have voices or anything because there's some of that in Doctor Who. Really? And uh, and it, we ended up taking this tangent about like silencing women and minorities and like how how taking away somebody's voice can be a really effective, you know, fascist and political tool to keep people down. And like it was just this amazing conversation that I never would have expected when we started out talking about like the weeping angels from Doctor Who. We should put that show in the show notes. Okay, I'll, I will find <laughs> I will find the episode number so that you can find it. Could you describe how you watch TV now? I I think I'm just, I notice so much more. I've always noticed kind of like the directorial touches and like lighting and, you know, that kind of kind of thing because I, I went to school for it. But the part of school that I always sucked at was, was like film criticism. Like I remember watching Vertigo and a million people had a million things to say about it in the discussion at, in class after we watched the movie. And I'm sitting there going, like I didn't get any of that out of what you, what you guys just saw. My only contribution to that discussion was that there's a scene that looks like the opening credits of Doctor Who. Literally, that is the only thing I said in class. <laughs> um, but now I just I, I feel like I notice I notice themes. I notice when what is on on screen either echoes or reflects real life at the time that something was made. Um, I, I, I notice so much, so much more richness and there's like so much more depth. I can, I pay attention to who's writing which episodes of what show and kind of, you know, you can track a writer or a director even from show to show and see what kinds of, what kinds of touches they have and that they lend to the media that they're creating. And yeah, it's just, it's just really cool. I feel like I get a lot more out of, out of what I watch than I did before. Um, sometimes, sometimes that bites me though, because if I'm paying that much attention and getting a lot out of it, sometimes I'll figure out the mystery of like mm. of something before the big reveal. And I really love that big reveal moment. I love to be surprised by stuff. So so if I'm watching something that I know is a mystery or I know is supposed to have a twist in it, I try to like focus on like shutting down my faculties a little bit so that I'm not picking up as much as I can because I really want to be surprised by by things. But when there's something where I feel like I'm paying really close attention and it still surprises me, that's that's super exciting. Yeah, that's like the be all end all. Hey, mm-hmm. and has that extended? Um, now I'm kind of thinking about like this multimedia approach, like with some <laughs> of your podcasts, with like say the Dungeons and Dragons and the mm-hmm. gaming. Um, I think in even in board games, there well, in Dungeons and Dragons is all about storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, yeah. Total Party Kill, Total Party Kill is a. Uh, it's on the Incomparable Network, and I am. I'm one of the players, which is great because it means I don't have to be in charge, and I get to just show up and say ridiculous things, or more often listen to my my cohort say ridiculous things and tell them how stupid they are because it's sort of what my character is like. Um, but so you it, have a character character for that. Mm-hmm. So what's your character's name? Uh, the one that we are pl- playing now, I play an elven ranger named Presta Shabogan. Yep. <laughs> yes, I have a uh, I have a, a crystal scimitar and a uh, and a bow and arrow. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I'm really cranky and I don't like people and I got stuck guiding this group of just ridiculous miscreants around and I guess I guess they I just liked them so I stuck with them but don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's so neat. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fun to just get to like most of the podcasts that I do. I am they're conversational style roundtable podcasts. So I'm talking as myself and and talking about the world that exists around us. And uh, and while sometimes the real world around us does feel like it's turning into a weird fairyland or a trash fire, as the case may be. But uh, but but getting to play a different character and just pretend that you're somebody else who lives in this completely different world is a wonderful escape, especially when you're basically bringing along like six of your best friends with you to be able to do it. And we do that podcast on video and audio formats. So I actually get to see my friends' faces when I say a terrible pun. And my friend Aline just shakes her head back and forth. Like, I live for those moments where my puns <laughs> make Aline shake her head back and forth. It's great. That's so nice and to connect like that mm-hmm. in that sense. Since you said trash fire, <laughs> can I ask you a question about that? You certainly can. Okay. What has it been like to watch um, the news of, of your home? Honestly, I have a pretty maybe unhealthy degree of like, it feels like survivor's guilt. Like I got out just before things started to go really bad. When that was 2015. 2014, 2014. early 2014. Um, So like, you know, things were kind of crazy because I'm from Wisconsin and the political situation in Wisconsin has been sliding in in my perspective downhill. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at the numbers of like the school systems and poverty and all that kind of stuff, the numbers have been getting worse and worse. I grew up with Wisconsin being in the top 10 of like the schools, school systems in the United States. And now they're way, 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 way lower. So so things have been things have been going poorly for my my home state for a long time and now the whole country is just it's weird being here and being surrounded by people who pay attention cuz Canadians are way way more into like knowing what's actually going on in the world than Americans are oh, on really? the whole yeah oh. um, at least that's that's my personal experience i mean if you ask a, a random american you know who's the prime minister of canada they're not going to know oh okay <laughs> whereas if you ask any canadian who's the president of the united states Chances are they've got a pretty darn good shot of knowing. At least most of the people that I pal around with um, have have a good handle on that sort of thing. So I'm surrounded by people who are watching the American political scene from the outside and viewing it as like an entertainment thing, sort of. Like people will make jokes about Donald Trump and I can't laugh because to me it's too real. Like I, I have actual friends who are being, you know, first person like harassed and having to deal with with having you know funding and stuff taken away for for really important things or you know many of my my queer friends who are just afraid that that you know their personhood is going to be ripped away from them at any moment so it's hmm. it's it's scary times back there and I hate I, I hate myself a little bit for being like whew I got out just in time mm-hmm. but I feel like I kind of did it's a little bit of that insider-outsider, mm-hmm. you're like straddling a line. Yeah, because I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm totally Canadian either. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of, of both. But I'm still like, you know, I, I still, I found out that I can still vote on the federal level. So I'm, I'm still voting and I'm still, you know, emailing my, um, I have two senators and one representative because you vote in the, the district that you lived in last before you moved. Oh. Um, 
I have even called a few times, but international long distance is, is pretty expensive. But, yeah. you know, sometimes it's worth it. But, you know, emails and actually faxes. I discovered a website that I can use to send faxes to my my horrible, horrible senator. So sometimes I do that because I feel like that's probably more annoying to receive. And I would like him to be as annoyed as possible. Go for it. <laughs> nope. More power to you. <laughs> but in the self-care realm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and... and th- I, I having having experienced being on the other end of that and working in in a government situation where I see incoming correspondence, like I am always polite because I know the people who are actually like the first line responders who are reading that stuff, mm-hmm. like they don't have any power over anything. So I always try to be friendly and polite, which is the best way to actually you know get your message across. Anyway, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for answering those questions. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> To jump back into podcast world, mm-hmm. um, how do you nurture your creativity um, to produce so prolifically? And I like don't say prolifically lightly. I like never <laughs> say that word, but it's like incredible <laughs> what you can put out. Uh, I live and die by my Google Calendar. If not for that thing, like Stephen and I have to have have things scheduled out when we're each doing podcasts um, because, like, otherwise. You know, we do we do have two separate podcasting setups in the house, um, but like one of them is definitely like the backup. So we always try to schedule time on the good microphone with the good headphones uh, whenever we can. And I think the thing that motivates me and just like is my my drive is the fact that since I moved 1,500 miles to to come here. I left behind most of my, you know, friends and family. And, like, I have since made some very good friends here in Canada, but, like, it's not the big social circle that I had because I lived for 20 years in the same city. So I think probably at least 85% of my social interaction happens when I'm doing podcasts. So it's not so much, you know, I have to think about being creative and coming up with something, you know, for Podcast X. It's like... I get to talk to Jason and the gang on Thursday night about Star Trek Discovery or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something to look forward to. And, you know, the way it works on The Incomparable is, is Jason will, like, he accepts suggestions, but he'll throw out topics and be like, who wants to talk about this, this, this? And then, you know, we figure out scheduling and stuff. And sometimes it'll be something, uh, they recently did an episode on the Canadian show Travelers. And I had heard of it but had never watched it. And I was just like, you know what? I want to be on that episode. So I binged two seasons of this series in a week just so that I could be on a podcast and talk about it. And it was a great, great show. So I highly recommend Travelers if you're a science fiction fan who likes time travel stuff. Okay. We Mm -hmm. can put that in the show notes too. (laughs) It's really good. (laughs) Look that up. Um, So it's a lot of scheduling and just it sounds like it's like built into your life. Mm -hmm. It is. I mean, it, 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 it is my life. You know, I have a day job, but I don't feel like that's like, you know, when somebody says, so what do you do? Hmm. I think I'm a podcaster. Like, I don't think of my day job. I think of of the thing that is sort of like the burning ember at the heart of my soul. (laughs) And that's and that's podcasting. When I see something that's really exciting and interesting, I want to talk to people about it. I want to talk to the world about it. But I definitely want to have somebody to talk to about it. And Stephen's great. Don't get me wrong. I love talking to him. But having a panel of like, you know, four or five different people from different parts of the world to talk about something is a way different experience and it's 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 just really great and then you know when we put the podcast out into the world there are amazing listeners who you know tweet back or leave comments on the website for for verity and 
or you know, the the audio guide to Babylon Five has the smartest commenters on anything that I have ever done. There's just like this right. this political discourse that is going on in the comment threads of that website that is unbelievable because they're breaking down and they're breaking down a show that was on like 1995 to 1999. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it's you know it's 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 amazing that you have that you can find people from all over the world who are interested in the same thing that that you are and have a discourse with them in whatever manner happens definitely and curiosity i'm kind of seeing that as the thread in this season actually it's just like Mm -hmm. the curiosity to get to know each other to have Mm -hmm. these discussions and like use technology in our benefit for that, mm-hmm. whereas like not like hide behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hear people talking about how, you know, Internet friends aren't real friends. And I laugh in the face of yeah. that statement because, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's how I met my spouse and like not on a dating site or anything. I mean, I was actually on dating sites. I was on Plenty of Fish and OkCupid and like those things did nothing for me. I randomly met Stephen through his podcast and talked to him on Twitter. And like, that's how I got to be here. I found all of my Doctor Who friends who I get to see at a Doctor Who convention in person next week in Los Angeles just by finding them on on Twitter. Like, just just random people that were into the same thing that I am. And now I look forward to the weekend every year where I get to see them and hang out with them and, and just, you know, geek out about this thing that we all love. I really feel like you can... The, the internet is, is a tool. You can use it in whatever way sort of you want. And I feel like the people that I have have discovered have all been people who really try to use it for for the power of good, man. It's for love. But it really has brought so many people together. Um, And yeah, there's there's an awful lot of awfulness on the internet too, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, yeah, totally. I kind of now want to jump into Beginner's Puck Mm, as I find that really interesting. I listened to the last couple episodes Mm -hmm. recently. (laughs) So I kind of feel like Beginner's Puck is um, the the intro for, you know, hockey beginners. Mm -hmm. And is it aimed at like new Canadians? Not really. I think it I think it feels like that just because I I am one and mm. I, I only started really watching hockey when I moved to Canada or maybe like just a little bit before because I knew I was going to be moving to Canada. Um, I mean, it was sort of like like before how I mentioned we started Verity because there were no female voices in Doctor Who podcasting and we needed that to be a thing. Uh, my friend Deb became a hockey fan hockey fan actually during the off season a couple of years ago so she just did all of her like reading articles and like reading the collective bargain bargaining agreement like for the players yeah that's what she reads to go to bed when she's she's (laughs) bored yeah I'm not kidding so so like she just got into the like the 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 trades and the like the off-season stuff and then the first hockey she ever experienced was actually uh the world cup of hockey so watching like team north america and and team canada and team usa all like playing against each other so she had just this really weird experience learning to love hockey and it was speaking of the u.s political situation was kind of because of that she needed something that wasn't like that important Mm. to be able to get angry about she wanted to be able to rant and get excited and get mad about something that was not that big a deal no no offense hockey but like it's a little bit different than people's lives Um, (laughs) yeah so so we both started talking to each other about it a lot but we were talking about it from the perspective of people who are relatively new to to the fandom Mm -hmm. and realized that there wasn't anything that we had found that was out there that was kind of aimed at people like us. And we also knew from being Doctor Who fans 
that any kind of fandom that is, you know, at least seen as being very male dominated, it can be a tough nut to crack for, for women trying to trying to get in there or people of color or LD, LGBTQ. Like there are a lot of underserved audiences when it comes to the NHL. And we found that we loved hockey so much that we wanted to like take some of our friends who aren't particularly sports fans because they haven't felt very welcomed in sports communities and show them, no, there's a place for you at this table. Hockey is for everyone. We want you to, we want you to join us. So we started the podcast with like, with hopes of also being accessible to people who know hockey. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from, from long time, long-term hockey fans that have actually really enjoyed it because, because they're hearing people talk about it from a thing that they love from a slightly different perspective. Um, and then there are also new hockey fans who have who have been listening who have I think it, like it's helped them. So we do like the first half of the show is you know the the roundup. What's been hap- happening in hockey during the week? What are things that we saw or we liked? We didn't like that kind of stuff. And then the second half of the show is something educational for for the real newbies. So sometimes it's explaining hockey terminology. Sometimes it's um, explaining exact like going more in depth into something like penalties. Sometimes I will just sit while I'm watching hockey and write down random weird things that the commentators say, and then we explain that on the next episode. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find even the historical um, for the real newbies. I don't even know if some current people would know those things. Mm-hmm. Like um, I just listened to the episode about uh, Willie. Oh, Willie O'Ree. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that conversation got really interesting <laughs> uh, in terms of, like, um, people of color mm-hmm. and how that has kind of shaken out and mm-hmm. <laughs> over time. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, find, I love that part of it. And explaining mm-hmm. the penalties. Like, I'm a Canadian, and mm-hmm. my hockey knowledge is... Pretty poor. (laughs) (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I like it is it's very fresh. Mm -hmm. So if you watch the game, it is exciting because there's always so much going on. And it is the most fluid and beautiful sport to watch because it's just smooth. There's none of this jerky running. They are just like skating on, you know, it's it's murder poetry on ice, as Deb likes to say. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I think she enjoys the violence a little bit more than I do. But I just I just love watching a player take the puck from one end of the ice to the other and just like the, the there's just some physical poetry to it. Thanks for listening to this week's show of Migration Patterns with guest Eric Anzine. You can find the show online at cjsr.com and wherever you get your podcasts.